The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Sportscaster and Her Son. This is where sports bridges the gap between the generations, if you can't tell. I, I'm the mom, so, and, you know, he's the son. Um, I'm your co-host and 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster, now with ESPN Radio in Chicago, formerly of NBC Chicago. My name is Peggy Kaczynski. Yes, I'm the baby boomer, right, Jason? Yeah, and, you know, it's crazy that you say 12-time Emmy Award winner every single time, and I actually didn't realize until a couple weeks ago when I was looking at my resume that I thought for the longest time it was 13 Emmy Awards, so I guess it's only oh. 12. A little disappointing. Hmm. I don't know that, actually. Maybe I need to go back and count them. <laughs> anyway, I'm Jason Kadander. Um, now I am a rising junior at the University of Texas at Austin. Feels awesome to say that. Um, I do student television, Texas student television, um, and I write for Southside Sox. And you are Generation Z. Um, Generation Z. Wow, I can't believe a junior already. Holy cow, this is crazy. A couple more months. I'm not ready to officially chip away at the second half of my college career. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with just sitting here in the sort of like the purgatory of of waiting to be a junior. <laughs> you realize when we started the podcast that you were a junior in high school. I know. It's it's really, really crazy to think how much has changed since then. Like we have had an entire pandemic. We have had, I mean, I live in a completely different city, completely different part of the U.S. now. And I'm back home, obviously, because this isn't my dorm room. But uh, yeah, it's it's so much has changed. And it's it's really weird looking back at like, how I sounded on those first couple of episodes because you sound the same because this is what you do. But it's it's so weird sounding like looking back at how I sounded and I'm like, what? <laughs> so it shows some growth for me and it's cool to look back and and laugh a little bit at, at how like unenthusiastic I was about it. But we're here now and we're still alive and doing better than ever. So um, you're home for uh, as we tape this, the first week of June, you are only home for a couple more days before yeah. you head back to Austin, Texas, and tell everyone about your exciting internship opportunity <laughs> this summer. Yeah, so if you spent any time with me this past year, you know how important it was for me to get an internship. I really, really, really put my nose to the grindstone and wanted it really bad. And sure enough, I'll be interning with CBS Austin this summer, which is an amazing, amazing opportunity that I'm super excited about. And I know that there's no better experience to get than firsthand in the newsroom when the real thing, real newscast is, is happening. And I'm just excited to get to work and to get my hands dirty. I don't know how dirty my hands will get in the newsroom, but um, I'm excited to show what I can do and and grow my skills and hopefully learn some skills that I can apply to this, this podcast. You know what I like about this internship that you're going to be doing? I love that it's a news it's internship and well, yeah, I love that it's paying. Um, I don't know if it's paying enough though, for you to actually save money while you're spending money staying there over the summer. That's I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Um, but I love that it's a news internship because I think it's really important that you spread your wings and learn how to be a journalist. And there's no better way to do it than 
through a news internship, um, as opposed to just always doing sports where it's always, you know, the fun, the scores, the stats, um, the minor leagues, things like that. This is going to be really good for you to learn breaking news, how to Absolutely. make contacts, how to um, meet people from all different sourcing. Uh, I, I think it's going to be great for you. Yeah. And, and when I was actually interviewing for it, the uh, woman that was interviewing me asked me if I'm interested in doing news work outside of sports. And the answer is absolutely. I would be foolish to limit myself to one area of news. I love sports. It's my passion. It's what's gotten me into news. It's what had you in news, but it doesn't mean it's the only thing I need to explore. And yeah, I'm super excited. And it's going to be really fun being in a newsroom in Texas over the summer because Austin kind of goes on pause when everyone goes goes back home. And it, it'll just be really interesting. I don't know at all what to expect, but I'm excited for what it's going to do for me and, and the connections I'm going to make and the experiences I'm going to have. So do you know that I interned at NBC in Chicago where I ended up working 20 years later? Yes, you did tell me that, uh, actually, which is so crazy to me to think how, you know, like you, you started the same way that I did. And even though it seems like it's such a different era, because obviously like all my applications are online and now there's LinkedIn and now there's Handshake and like all the other like theatrical stuff that, that you just kind of need to have. And, uh, but it's still cool to think like, it's still the same old news and same old media. And you start out by interning, you start out by, by like getting in as, in as small of a role as possible. And then maybe things come full circle and in 20 years, I'll be back in Austin. We'll see. I love it. All right. So thank you, everybody who has followed us here on YouTube, on our website, thesportscasterandhersson.com. Thank you for listening to us wherever you get your podcasts, all of the audio outlets. Uh, we are available on all of them. Please continue to download and follow and tell your friends about us. Don't forget, you can also get some of our fan merch. We haven't pushed the fan merch in a long time. Oh, Wow. Well, look what I have. My Whoa, little. My I want little, one of those to bring back to Austin with me. See, this you can get this at our, our merch store on T Public. The best way to get the link is to go to our website, thesportscasterandherson.com, and click on fan merchandise, and you too can get a mug. You can have t shirts, hoodies. We have laptop stickers. Uh, we, we have lots of fun stuff. So please go check out the link on our website. And I'll say the merch is a big hit when I'm away at school. I have a sweatshirt and two t shirts that are in my rotation. and Actually, after we recorded the, the podcast episode with Chris Berman about a month ago now, um, the, I had an event right after uh, we recorded the podcast. So I threw on a podcast shirt and everyone was like, where can I get one of those? And I'm like, well, you know, we sell merch. And I don't know if people quite realize that things like that cost money. But yeah, I mean, the merch is awesome and I love wearing it. So it'd be great if we can push that a little bit more and have a little army of people wearing sportscaster and her son. We don't get along shirts. Well, you know, and I'm glad that you said that our last episode was with Chris Berman. Uh, we want to thank everyone for letting us go on vacation a little bit here between episodes. Jason had to finish his sophomore year of college, which was really crazy with finals. So hard. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was tough. Uh, then getting him home for the summer. So we've had some a little bit crazy scheduling. So we decided to take a little, um, hiatus from the show so that we can kind of get everything back in order for the summer, get ready for Jason going back to school or not even school, going back to Austin, Texas. And um, I've been super busy working at ESPN radio now uh, on Saturdays here in Chicago. You can check that out on the ESPN Chicago app. It's called Peggy and Dion. So it's been lots of fun. We, we're both super busy. So um, we're back from our little uh, hiatus and 
Jason, I just wish we could say that the White Sox were back from whatever hiatus that they are taking because the, <laughs> the, the, long hiatus. the, the Chicago baseball right now it's is bad. not so much good, a lot of bad, and a lot of ugly. So first off, I'll say really quick note on our little hiatus. Just as athletes need off seasons, sometimes media needs off seasons too. And this was a really hard working past semester. And I know you don't go by semesters, but the past few months we had worked really hard, both in your radio and in this show and in my classes and in applying for internships and everything ended up working out, but break was much needed, but I'm really glad to be back. Now on your White Sox question, that doesn't make me quite as happy. It's really funny to think that on this around this time last year, I'm pretty sure we recorded an episode talking about how great Chicago baseball was because <laughs> the Cubs were in first place and the White Sox were in first place. Now the Cubs are in, I believe they're in last place, if not fourth place. They're in fourth place in the in in their division. They're in fourth okay. place. Okay. And then the White Sox are in third place. And the Cubs was maybe a little bit more expected. I mean, they started the first couple of weeks, looked like they had some life, and then pitching caught up to them a little quicker than I think maybe the fans would have hoped. But that was going to happen. As for the White Sox, there's a disaster brewing on the south side, and the clock is really ticking for them to fix it because there are certain issues that the front office and the, the coaching staff seem oblivious to that anybody can pick up on watching at home plate or watching at home, not a home plate <laughs> at home. And it's, it's frustrating because from the outside looking in going into this season, this was the most talented white Sox roster of my lifetime. And that's counting 2005, 2005, they won the world series. That team was not as talented on paper as this one is on paper. And to look at how they're underperforming and the ways that they're losing some of these games is just mind boggling. And we're kind of getting to a point now, like where I kind of want to laugh about it, but it's really not funny because the championship window will close if something isn't done and it needs to be the right move that the front office has shown. They will either reject doing what the clear right move is, or they'll do, what they think it is, such as trading for Craig Kimbrell when you don't need a closer, and it shoots them in the face. So let's devote this episode to both the Cubs and the Sox. It, it, yeah. The first week of June, as we record this here in Chicago, let me just give you a couple of numbers here, and then I'm going to let you go off, okay? And I want you to go off on both teams here. So uh, as you said, Sox are third in the division. The Cubs are fourth in their division, but it feels very differently. It feels like the Cubs are playing their asses off and uh, they're not getting blown out. Um, there, there's been a couple games, but they're really in every single game. The Sox, you don't get that feeling from. You don't get the feeling that they're playing their asses off. You get the feeling that they're kind of coasting through, waiting for the postseason to begin. Um, they're five games back of the Twins, third place in the division, three games below 500. Um, they're not scoring runs. They have a negative 55 run differential. Uh, 178 runs scored by the White Sox is third lowest in Major League Baseball. And I'll cut you off really quick. They're actually in the bottom third of every major yes. offensive statistic in Major League Baseball. 43 home runs, 22nd in the majors, or eighth lowest. Uh, 114 walks taken, dead last in baseball. Yep. Uh, 360 strikeouts is actually the second best in baseball. So they've had the second fewest strikeouts. The problem is they're just not driving in the runs. They the ball on the ground. They must lead the majors in men left on base because it's crazy how many times it seems like they have had bases loaded, 
and then the inning ends. Um, we'll get into what's going on with the White Sox. Now let me compare the other side of town, the north side of town, the, the Cubs. They are seven games below 500. They're fourth place in the National League Central, 53 home runs, 12th most in the majors, 227 runs, 12th best in the majors, 181 walks taken, seventh best in baseball, <laughs> 451 strikeouts, eh, eighth worst in Major League Baseball. So you have two different teams, one that had no expectations on them, that are actually giving fans some reason to cheer because they're they're playing hard, even though it's not a great team. There's a lot of guys on this team who are rental players. And then on the other side of town, you have nothing but frustration at a team that is injured. Um, they DFA Dallas Keuchel. Tim Anderson goes on the injured list. Um, uh, uh, who else? Everyone's been on the injured list, it feels like. Yeah. This is a team that... It, Two well, teams. Aloy Jimenez are, are, is a permanent resident. Aloy, yeah, exactly. He he might as well take out you know rent there. Um, <laughs> but we have two teams that are going in opposite directions. So I'll let you take over now, Jason. So first off, with the Cubs, I, as much as the start of the year doesn't really surprise me for them, I'm a little confused now looking back at their offseason plans because they had the offseason blueprint of a team that wanted to win signing Marcus Stroman signing Wade Miley signing Jan Gomes those are all moves that teams make to add final pieces to a playoff team and I don't understand why a team that had such a money crunch the past couple of years like the Cubs spent money and didn't really do anything now I will say the deadline will be super interesting for the Cubs I think Wilson Contreras is so far out the door and they're going to get a huge return for him Miguel Amaya is waiting in the wings he's going to be a spectacular catcher the one thing I think Ian Happ has also gone to, you see that Cubs and White Sox trade connection, Ian Happ should be at the top of the White Sox list. He can play right field. He can play second base. He's a switch hitter. He's a power hitter. The White Sox need a guy like that. Sox Cubs, need a left-handed bat that actually yeah. makes people worried and makes pitchers worried. What I, see, what I see with this Cubs team, they're a passionate team. They love to play the game. And usually when you have a team like that, it means that the locker room is awesome. We saw this with some of the rebuilding White Sox teams. 2018 and 2019 were two years that really stick out to me when you'd have like Yolmer Sanchez dancing in the dugout and you'd have like the home run chain like like the, those are characteristics of teams that know that they're not good, but they still love to play. And they're going to give the fans the product that they deserve, which is all nine players in the lineup are hustling as hard as possible, trying their hardest to win. The thing with the Cubs is they're not a good team, but and you can't really say this for many in baseball. They're not a good team, but they're still trying to win, which yes. I think is refreshing, even though they're not winning. So I don't really have that much bad things to say about the Cubs. It's kind of went how we expected it to say a Suzuki bottomed out. He's kind of hitting how he was supposed to. He's not hitting 370 anymore. The rotation looks good. Strowman's coming along. Keegan Thompson yeah. looks like the Cubs have really found something in him. Kyle Hendricks, a little interesting. Maybe we'll see if they move him at the deadline. But, yeah, I, it's been it's been a pedestrian start to the season for the Cubs. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to finish last in the division. It'll probably be an average, like, 86 to 92 loss season for them. Which, which is fine. I'd, I'd expect them to spend very big this offseason, though, because they do have some pieces on this team that will be on the next playoff Cubs teams. You look at a guy like Patrick Wisdom has been hitting the life out of the baseball right. the past weeks. Those are the guys that can carve out roles on rebuilding teams, and all of a sudden they find themselves in the lineup when the team's back to winning again. So Cubs, maybe it's not a rebuild. Maybe it's more of a reload. But what do you think about the Cubs start, Mom? 
I, I agree with you. I think that they're playing hard. I think that uh, David Ross really has these guys motivated. He's the he right knows. guy for the team. He does He's not right have a guy. roster. It, you know, he, uh, a lot of times, you know, they're, they're contact hitters. So they don't score as many runs, but they manufacture runs. Uh, when they played the White Sox, as soon as they got on base, they were hit and run, hit and run, hit and run. And they were scoring runs. And that's something that the White Sox don't do. It makes me think that these guys are playing they're playing because they want contracts, right? They want a, a permanent job in the big leagues. David Ross is motivating them. So can you look at the other side of town and say Tony La Russa is not motivating his team? Well, is, can, can you hold TLR accountable for I think it's about what's going to. on? I don't know if you saw, Bob, yesterday when Aaron Bummer was taken out of the game in the eighth inning, the look that he gave Tony La Russa, oh, wait, he didn't give Tony LaRusa a look. He would not make eye contact with Tony LaRusa when he went to the mound to take him out of the game. And that video has been all over White Sox Twitter. I think it's very I, I think that video sums up the White Sox season to this point. I think that sums up how the fans feel, how the players feel, and at this point, probably how the front office feels. Tony LaRusa is a great example of you cannot teach an old dog new tricks. And as much as I appreciate Tony La Russa coming out of retirement to manage the White Sox last year, there were some really good moments of Tony La Russa's tenure. There were some moments where he's like, wow, I think that he might be the right guy to lead this team. This year, that has been so far from what the reality has been. And a lot of these, a lot of the issues don't necessarily fall on Tony. I think that we get caught up in the lineups a lot, but at the end of the day, the lineup doesn't matter if one through nine aren't going to get on base, aren't going to walk, and aren't going to drive in runs. So I think that we need to kind of lay off Tony when it comes to the lineups because the lineup doesn't matter anyway. They're not scoring. They're averaging, what is it, three runs per game, which is absolutely horrible when you consider some of the pitchers that they're facing in the AL Central. They should be putting up six, seven, eight runs a game, especially against division competition. The lineup is not hitting some of their approaches look terrible Jose Abreu has gotten it together as he usually does in June which is great to see because Abreu's beginning of the season slump lasted a lot longer than it usually does but he's hitting 13 straight he looks focused he looks motivated same can't be said for everyone else Luis Robert has not been able to stay healthy this year and when he has he has swung at just about every pitch that's been thrown to him this season Tim Anderson who has been the one sure thing on the White Sox this year is now hurt now he won't be gone for long but that's a big deal to have somebody who's hitting 360 at the top of the lineup now be gone from the lineup Yasmani Grandal has been terrible this year all of the walk rate and the OPS and the efficiency at the plate is gone and when he is not catching every single day he's not making the impact that any other designated hitter would be making. He's hitting 170. Yoan Moncada had a big hit in the eighth inning yesterday. He still does not look motivated. He hasn't looked motivated since 2019, which is a big issue because Yoan Moncada is the first player that the White Sox invested their future in and is still one of the most important players in the lineup. And he doesn't even look like he wants to play baseball. Well, you know, he did say that he d- hasn't felt the same since he had COVID. He has said that uh, it, it just hasn't seemed to have left him. Back to our conversation in a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. 
It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. You bring up a good point. We, we talked about some of the Cubs that are likely to be moved at the trade deadline. So what about the White Sox? You know, they don't have the minor leaguers that are going to bring in anything in return. Who do you think, who do you think they, are there other moves? Are there other moves they're going to make with any of the veterans on the roster? No, so they're going to do something. That, that's a characteristic of every Tony La Russa team. Uh, they always add. Now, hopefully this year they don't, put a bandaid on the right field problem by adding a closer, which I still can't understand. But I think the White Sox, the roster that we have right now is going to be nothing like the roster that we're going to see at the end of July. I think that the White Sox are absolutely, they're not oblivious to the fact that they need to add a second baseman bad. They will. Ian Happ, that's why he's the perfect fit. He hasn't really played second base since the beginning of his career, but he can. That's what he was drafted to do, to play second base. You have to look at a left-handed power-hitting second baseman. Might be one of the most rare positions in all of baseball. Left-handed, power-hitting second baseman. But last year they added Cesar Hernandez, and even though Hernandez didn't play well, that was the right fit. Hernandez was a good fit. As a guy with a high contact rate, was on pace for a career high in home runs, he ended up only hitting one with the White Sox, which... Go figure. Good glove. The White Sox need to add somebody like that. I, you asked what they're going to do with some of the veterans on their roster. Cueto has looked good enough to, unless the starting pitching looks like they are one piece away from winning the World Series or somebody falls off the face of the earth, the, the five that will be the rotation once Lance Lynn is back will be the five that will finish the season. The rotation is not the problem. It's a top five rotation in baseball. Now, for a guy like Josh Harrison, would not be surprised to see him designated for assignment. Larry Garcia is an interesting question, though, because he has not been playing well this year. He's an excellent 26th man. But he is not an excellent starting starter, yeah. starting right fielder, starting shortstop hitting leadoff like he was yesterday. He'll He'll be a very interesting question because if the White Sox want a championship roster – it probably means leaving Larry off of it, but they made a three-year investment, three-year $20 million investment. And you hate to see when the White Sox make these investments that they blow up in their face this quick, because you know that it dissuades them from spending money in the future. Every time somebody wants to complain about Larry Garcia, he has a great game and and TLR loves him. It just, it seems like LaRusa really likes him. So Tim (laughs) Anderson is on the injured list. Um, uh, Jimenez is still on the injured list. Lance Lynn is be, due back. All very of soon. these guys will be back in the next two to three weeks, which is do, why the problem is though, Jason, that they have had opportunities to gain ground on the twins and they haven't, they have been sitting four or five games behind the twins for the past month. Yeah. And 
that's what worries me is that now you could look at and say the glass is half full that it's only four or five games or you look at it as the glass is half empty and you say well they haven't been able to gain any ground all season long what makes us why should we believe it just because they look good on paper that they will actually start playing baseball yeah so and, and this, even though this has probably been the most pessimistic I've ever sounded about the White Sox on a podcast that we've recorded, I still want to make it very clear. I fully expect them to win the division this year. Last year, the world eventual World Series champion Atlanta Braves were 44 and 45 at the All-Star break without their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr., and they still won the World Series. So there's always hope. That was in a division that was pretty similar to the current AL Central. Now, you can't say that the White Sox are going to be this year's Atlanta Braves. We might not ever get an Atlanta Braves again because the run that they went on last year was miraculous, and I don't think the White Sox will ever make those deadline additions that Atlanta did to put themselves in that position to win. But you look at a week like this, the Twins were swept by the Tigers which means two things. First of all, it's a big missed opportunity because the White Sox got swept the same three-game series that the Twins did. Secondly, though, and more optimistically, I think that this signals the Twins falling apart as I have expected them to for a long time. When you do not have pitching, you do not win baseball games for very long. We saw it with the Cubs last year. This time last year, the Cubs were... I'm going to guess it was somewhere between six and 10 games over 500. They certainly weren't more than 10 games over 500, but they were in first place. They did not have pitching. They had Kyle Hendricks and then a bunch of journeymen or guys that were too young, like Alzale, Keegan Thompson at the time. And eventually they tailed off and were selling at the deadline. I think that we could see that with the Minnesota Twins. They have zero pitching. The bullpen is not good. And a lot like the White Sox, they're always hurt. Carlos Correa has not been able to stay on the field. Byron Buxton has been able to stay on the field, but he's hitting a buck 90, one of the best players in baseball. So whenever the White Sox decide that they're ready to start winning, they'll probably gain a good amount of ground in the division, especially when you consider that Minnesota's first half schedule has been so easy their second half schedule will be a lot harder the White Sox first half schedule hasn't been too easy second half schedule will even out so there's still hope but with every day that goes by every different lineup combination I think that Tony La Russa has had 40 different lineup combinations this season (laughs) which is incredible to think when I first started watching the White Sox and Robin Ventura was the manager it was the same lineup one through nine every single day and it's impossible for some of these guys to get into a rhythm when they're hitting in a different part of the lineup every single day or in the case of AJ Pollock and Luis Robert, which by the way, if they're actually hurt, they should be on the IL. They should be playing every day. Good point. All right. Well, that's our, our update on the Cubs and the White Sox. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, not as much good as that you would hope for there to be. Um, not as much as we expected there to be, but yeah, yeah. we're a little it, over a third of, we're around a third of the way through the season. It so, would just be nice to see them not just be primetime players on the South side, where it seems whenever they're on national TV, they do well. I have um, noticed that too. Yeah. I yeah. have noticed that too. Because what happens then is the postseason, they look terrible last year. So uh, they, they time is on their side, but on the other hand, it doesn't feel like it for many fans. And on the North side, Fans know the time is on their side. They just don't want to have to go through a second rebuild and they won't. Uh, They're in, in six years. Season. Yeah, I think they'll spend big too as well. Carlos so. Correa is coming to the north side. Oh, so that brings me to predictions, Jason. Do no. you have any predictions? 
So I'm going to predict the outcome of the Cubs season, the outcome of the White Sox season, and then I'm going to predict, because this is a baseball episode, I'm going to predict who I think will win the World Series if the season were to end today and the playoffs were to start. So I'll go first. I think that the Cubs are going to finish with 92 losses this season. I think the team looks motivated enough to not lose 100 games. David Ross, the players are probably eventually will maybe start playing for his job. I think he's not on the hot seat yet, but next year he'll probably need to start winning some games. Uh, I think the Cubs will trade Ian Happ. I think they'll trade Kyle, Sh- uh, not Kyle Schwarber, sorry, Wilson Contreras. Kyle Schwarber's way out of town. I, uh, I also think that they will move Kyle Hendricks and potentially move Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman is a guy who is so vocal about being on winning teams. I can't imagine him being on another team that doesn't make the playoffs. So that's my Cubs prediction. My White Sox prediction, I am going to predict that the White Sox will win 91 games this season, which I do remember my beginning of the season prediction on Twitter and on here. It was 100 games both ways. I know. I'm sure I'll be reminded of it. I'm still going to predict that the White Sox win 91 games. That will be enough to get them in the postseason, however you cut it. I'm still going to predict that they win the division. I think that they will add a second baseman at the trade deadline, maybe Adam Frazier from Seattle, left-handed hitter, good glove, high contact rate. That is what they need. We all know what they need. Let's see if they attack on it. I think that they'll add. I think that they'll start winning. I am going to say the White Sox will be in first place by August 1st, and they will not look back from there. Wow. Now, my baseball prediction, unfortunately, I no longer think the White Sox are going to win the World Series. I think that 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 would be a little irresponsible of me to predict that. Right now, June 2nd, they're three games below 500, five games back in the division. I don't want to sound like some homer that doesn't watch baseball. So um, I'm going to say that my World Series winner, and I had this team playing in the World Series, my original pick, The New York Mets. What a fun team to watch this year. They have been more banged up, more injured than any other team in baseball, yet they keep winning games, and they do it in the most exciting fashion. It's awesome seeing guys like Francisco Lindor, who have had back-to-back down years, finally pick it up and be the superstars that that baseball needs. And the crazy thing about the Mets is that they're in first place right now. They are 10 games up in the division. Max Scherzer's on the I.L., Jacob deGrom is on the IL. They're just going to keep getting better. Buck Showalter, it's so nice to see a manager come out of retirement and manage exactly how they did once when they came out of the game and be just as successful as they were known for being. And I'll just stop. Those are my three predictions. Oh, my gosh. I knew you were going to go there, too. All right. Um, I I hate to do this, but I I do want to um, change gears a little bit for my final thoughts. I'm going to get a little serious on everybody here because um, we just finished the month of May, and um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And it's something that is very close to all of us, I know, in our household. And it's important to many of us in sports as we have watched so many athletes come out now and talk about their their mental health. Um, Unfortunately, uh, 2022 is already the most deadly year in history for student athletes who have taken their own lives. Um, But through the months of April and March, uh, four female student athletes did take their own lives in the NCAA at various um, institutions. The average is four, and it's not typically females. Um, University of Wisconsin lost a track athlete. James Madison lost a softball star, Northern Michigan, another track athlete, and Stanford, a soccer player. Those are just the women athletes that we know of uh, who took their own lives this past spring. I personally heard of another high school athlete recently in the Chicagoland area uh, who also took their own life and another female. 
the mental health crisis with our young adults, it's real and it is at an epidemic level. Student athletes are trying to balance the pressures of sports and school, uh, the, the pressure of social media telling them that everybody is perfect. And I just think it's really important for all of us that we really stop and think and really support these athletes, support the young people in your lives who are going through tough times. Don't roll your eyes, be there for them, ask them questions, lend an ear, and most importantly, offer them help. Do not turn your back. This is a serious crisis. It could be someone you know, it could be someone that you actually cheer for. If you have suicidal thoughts or are concerned about someone else who does, please reach out for help and call the Suicide Prevention Helpline, 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. So that will do it for this episode of The Sportscaster and Her Son. Jason, I'm glad we were able to get back into the saddle yeah. and get things going again. I know it was nothing special, but I'm I'm really glad to be back, and this summer is going to be a lot of fun because – the thing that bothered me the most about this past semester was it seemed like I never had any time to do anything that I wanted to do. Like I was just kind of a slave to my schoolwork. And when it wasn't my schoolwork, I had social obligations and I had other things. And this summer I've really set out to like, just do stuff and like make cool experiences, but like also better myself in media and, and see where we can take this podcast. And I'm just, I'm really excited for the summer because when when you have time, some amazing thoughts can come from it and some amazing stuff can happen. I'm just I'm so happy to finally have the time to do what I love doing between interning and this. And I'm just excited, Bob. It feels so good to be back. I, I think we have an idea for our next episode. It's our, our summer bucket list in sports. Ooh, right. That's a great idea. That's okay. a really, really great idea. Hey guys, if you like this episode, please let us know. Press the heart button. Tell us you like us. Listen to some of our past episodes as well. They're all available either wherever you get your audio or on YouTube as well. And please follow us so that you never miss one of the new episodes as they post. This was fun, Jason. This was fun. This was awesome. Please buy some merchandise. Follow me and my mom on Twitter. Eventually, I want to have more Twitter followers than you. So uh, I'm about 20,000 behind. Uh, but I'll be very active on Twitter this summer. I'm really making it a point. So if you love the personality that you get on the right side of your screen when you're watching us, then hit the follow button. And and yeah. All right. Our That's my thanks. little shameless plug. I'm sorry. Yeah, that is pretty shameless. Uh, our thanks to Adam Yaffe, our Sultan of Sound. Really quick. I want to I give a personal thank you to Adam Yaffe. Oh, Adam okay. helped me out very much with the internship process, gave me very good advice. Adam is one of my references and um, just very encouraging. It, it's such a stressful process. And to have someone like Adam that's very assuring and very encouraging, I, I wouldn't have, I, I definitely would not have gotten the internship without him. And I, I wouldn't be this this positive and this this encouraged and just thank you very much to Adam. Y- y'all don't y'all don't see him, but he's really really amazing and does a lot for us. Yeah, it's nice to have him in our corner. Also, thanks to Eldo Gandia and the Barroom Network. That is it for this episode, everyone. Thank you for joining us, Jason. Take care, safe travels back to school, and we look forward to our next episodes. It's our best way of keeping in touch as a mother son. Absolutely, I'll go see you downstairs now, Mom. All right, love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. 
and by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.